The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He was tired and sick and worried and tense. He was at the verge of a nervous breakdown. He started into his company at the bottom and determined to work his way to the top, he did. Taking the skills and the abilities he had, he worked his way to the top of his company. Something happened along the way. He did not find happiness. He was not fulfilled. He was a nervous wreck. He'd been under the care of a physician for months, and finally the physician said, I don't think there's anything I can do to help you. My recommendation is that you go to a minister and talk to him. So he went to Charles Allen, the beloved Methodist minister, who wrote a little book on the 23rd Psalm. Dr. Allen said, after I heard his story, I reached over on my desk and picked up a pad and began to write. I told him, I'm writing a prescription for you, just like a doctor. I want you to take this prescription five times a day. The prescription is the 23rd Psalm. I want you to read it carefully and meditatively and prayerfully. When you get up first thing in the morning, after your breakfast, after your lunch, after your dinner, before you retire at night, I want you to read carefully. Let every word soak into your mind. And in seven days, it will transform your life. The man's response was as if to say, well, that's pretty simple, isn't it? So Dr. Allen responded to that look and said, I know it seems simple, but it isn't. The 23rd Psalm is the most powerful writing in existence. You take it just as I prescribed it, and in seven days it will transform your life. The 23rd Psalm is a prescription for a new way of thinking. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, A man is what he thinks all day. Marcus Aurelius says, A man is what his thoughts make him. Norman Vincent Peale said, Change your thoughts and you'll change your life. And the Bible says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's a prescription for a new way of thinking which results in a new way of living, an abundant life. It divides into five sections. Abund living abundantly is living with faith, living with peace, living with power, living with hope, living with gratitude, living with confidence. I want to take the first section, the first three of those six um, divisions, and I want to talk about living abundantly. There is living with faith. Living abundantly is living with faith. 
The power of this great psalm is that it is a prescription for man's problems and pressures. In order to live abundantly, a man has, must believe in something that is as big as his life. And so this psalm begins where it ought to begin, with a God worth serving. Living with faith makes a great affirmation. The Lord is my shepherd. And all of the promises of this psalm hang on that one great affirmation. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, to whom is he referring? Who is this Lord? And, and, and what is his character? And does he have adequate credentials to be my shepherd, to be my manager, my owner? For the psalmist knew from firsthand experience that the lot of any sheep in his day was dependent upon the man who owned it. Who is this Lord that he's talking about? Well, he's the God of Israel. The psalm the shepherd of the 23rd Psalm is the, is the creator of Genesis 1 and the deliverer of Exodus 1 and the lawgiver of Numbers 1 and the divider of the tribes in Leviticus 1 and the commander in Deuteronomy 1. He is the God of Israel. Oh, the wonder of that. We need to be reminded of it need to go out at night and look into the starry heavens and see its beauty, its vastness, and understand there are 250 million times 250 million suns at least the same size or larger than our sun with its own system. And this planet that seems so vast to us is just a small speck of matter in this great universe. So if we were to take the most powerful telescope we own and transport it to the nearest neighbor star, Alpha Centauri, and look back to the earth, you couldn't even see the earth, not even with the help of the most powerful telescope and understand that this creator of this universe is the shepherd, is the manager of man. And the statement is this, that he's linking up in a very profound and yet practical way, man and his maker. And he, makes a, and he takes the statement and he links up a lump of common clay to a divine destiny. And he, and, he, and he says to us in that marvelous statement that a mere mortal man is the creative object of a divine intention. What wonder in that, that this marvelous universe created by this magnificent God is now entering into the human situation to be our shepherd. The glory of it, God with shepherd's clothing. The glory of it, God in a virgin's arm. God in a cattle stall. God at a carpenter's bench. God in a fisherman's boat. God on a cross. And the reason I'm His is because He deliberately chose to make me the object of His creative love. And not just that, but revealed in Christ Jesus that He wants us all to come under His benevolent care and was willing to absorb the penalty of our perverseness, stay, stating, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, but God laid on him the iniquity of us all. What an affirmation. 
And that great affirmation leads to a great assertion. I shall not want. It means I shall never really ever have a need. I shall not want is what the sparrows say as from branch to branch they spring. I shall not want is what the lilies say as they wave gently in the breeze. I shall never have a need. After World War II, the orphanages were filled with little children who had been scarred by the war, nervous and restless and disturbed. They couldn't sleep at night. They were tormented by nightmares. A psychiatrist came to see if he could help. Finally, he hit upon this idea. He filled their stomachs full of food and gave them something more. He put a piece of bread in their hands. They were not to eat it. They were just to hold it while they slept. And for the first time, they slept all night. They had all they needed and a piece more. And somehow the psalmist saw that in the, she in the sheep. They knew instinctively that the good shepherd would provide grazing. He did today. He would do tomorrow. That's what causes worry, our concern about tomorrow. And so figuratively, the sheep lie down with a piece of bread in its hands. And Roy Smith reminds us that God provides for us before we ever have need. Before ever man knew what cold felt like, God was storing up cold and oil in the earth to warn him. Before ever man knew what hunger was, before God placed man on earth and he ever got hungry, he was putting fertility in the soil and life in the seed. Before there was a sin, there was a salvation. Before there was a sinner, there was a Savior slain before the foundation of the world. My Father has, knows you have need before you ask Him. I shall not want means that I shall never be out from under the expert care of the God of Israel. Granddad was 86 before he took his first plane ride. When he landed, when he got back down on the ground, the obvious questions came to him in an avalanche. Well, how was it, Granddad? He said, oh, it was great, but I never really ever put all my weight down on that plane. Isn't it a tragedy? Isn't it a tragedy that the Lord of Genesis 1 is the shepherd of Psalm 23 and John 10, and we've never ever really put all our weight of faith upon Him. And therefore, we've never lived abundantly because living abundantly is living with faith. Now the principle of this passage is that God will never put on you more than you're able to bear. Lou Holtz, the great football coach now at the University of Minnesota, said after a heartbreaking loss... I know that God won't put on us more than we're able to bear, but sometime I think He overestimates my ability. Sometime I think we, uh, He does, but he, but he doesn't. The psalmist knew the struggle of, the, of, the, of, the, of suffering. He, he had those questions that you and I have. My God, why? Lord, where are you? And he didn't find answers in an explanation of suffering. You don't find answers in an explanation of suffering. You don't find answers as to why suffering came. You find answers, and he found an answer in, his, in the conscious presence of the shepherd 
Oh, you know what peace is, my friend? Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is not answers for the unanswerable. Peace is the consciousness that God is here and He understands our limits. Paul Carlson was murdered by the rebels in the Congo. He was a missionary doctor who was responsible for 100,000 patients. He had a tremendous workload. He, 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 he performed at least one major surgery every day on the average, seven days a week. And yet his whole life was the embodiment of peace. And though the day of his, his martyr, on the day he was killed, he made an entry into his diary on that very day, one word, peace. And somebody asked his wife one time, how is it that your husband, under the pressures of this terrible load he bears and the problems that he faces, how can he live with such tranquility? And she said, I think it's because he never lost touch with God. He makes me lie down. He leads me beside still waters, peace. Abundant life is living with peace. He leads me beside still waters. Prayer is getting beside still waters. You feel like your life is, is distracted? So do I. Peace is getting beside still waters, is finding our bearings in a world that beckons us in a thousand directions. And our days are like children in continuous motion. I feel like I'm getting nowhere, don't you? Somebody told about some folks who took a stopwatch to the Super Bowl last year. Carl Bates got a sermon entitled, The Clock is Running, But the Ball Ain't Moving. And he told about these guys who had this stopwatch at the Super Bowl and they timed to see how long the ball was actually moving. I mean, how long, the, how, how, in that whole game, how many minutes did the ball actually move? And to the amazement of everybody, they, said, they found out that the ball actually moved seven minutes. Now, they had two weeks of hoopla and all this frenzy and activity at the Super Bowl and the ball actually moved seven minutes. I, that's the way my life seems. It seems like it's just all of this activity, all of this movement, and I'm not getting anywhere. And the Bible insists that the greatest thrills of life are not the thrills that come when a man is in a plane on his way somewhere, but when he's standing still that the greatest trip that a man can make is not to the moon to meet somebody from another planet. The greatest trip a man can make is into the closet where he encounters God. And so what this psalm is doing is showing us that there has to be this balance between giving out and taking in to remind us that we are servants of God, but we're not gods, that we have a responsibility to the world, but not for the world, that we don't have to bear the burden of this world on our shoulders alone. You study the lives of great men, and you'll find that every one of them had a time of rest and reflection, for poems are not written in Brizzy Streets. And songs are not composed in the clamoring multitudes, and God is not seen until men are still. And so the purpose of this passage is to reorient us, as a, is a reorientation from what 
man does to what God does. And there's nothing that is needed any more desperately by anybody here than to be reoriented to the fact that there's a lot of things we can do in the flesh that'll just burn up energy we need to get from where, from what we do to what God's doing. From even Moses in his mighty first, if you were to ask him, what is your finest hour, would probably not remember something he did, but something that happened to him, a burning bush. And the day he stood at the Red Sea and saw in breathless wonder the salvation of the Lord. Living abundantly is living with peace. Finally, living abundantly is living with power. He restores my soul. The letter ended like this. I died today. Somewhere along the way, I died. It wasn't sudden. It was slow and imperceptible. But I died. I died from within. I'm just a shell. And perhaps even the shell is gone. And she signed, or he signed the letter Thanatos, the Greek word for death. I wish I could have talked to that person about the meaning of this psalm, for as Moffat translates it, it's this way. He revives new life in us. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the 41st psalm. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? In Keller's book, The Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm, he reminds us, he tells us of cast sheep, cast down sheep. They're those sheep that would get on their backs and couldn't get up. They had little short stubby legs and they'd have all this heavy wool. They'd get top heavy and they'd just get over on their backs, maybe lying down on an incline or by a, a, a step or a rut and they'd just fall over, get roll over on their backs and they'd just lie there flailing with their legs and if they, somebody didn't come and pick them up and turn them up back up, within a matter of hours, they'd be dead. And it was a common sight in that world. And so when the shepherd, loving shepherd, came and counted the sheep, if he missed one, first thought came to his mind. There's a cast-down sheep somewhere. And he'd leave everything till he found it. And he'd find that sheep tenderly. He'd pick it up, put it back on its feet, get it started again. The marvelous revelation that Jesus brought of God was that He is the God of the cast down. I tell you, He's left everything to find those of us that are cast down to get us on our feet. And the psalmist knew from first-hand experience what that was like. For there was a time when he was so near God, had such boldness that he went out against Goliath with the, with the courage of a, of a lion but something happened to him and, and, and the song went away. The light died from within him and he lost a sense of the nearness of God and he became aware of that awful presence of an absence, the absence of the presence of God. And he did wrong. And the burden of his guilt nearly destroyed him. And so he cried in the Psalms, Renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a new heart. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Does that sound like anybody here? For the spirit gets wounded, doesn't it? 
Sorrow is a wound to the Spirit. It's a clean wound and it'll heal unless something gets in it like bitterness, hatred. And then it starts festering and dies. Wrong is a wound to the Spirit. Somebody's wronged you and you've not, you've not gotten over it. The human spirit's like a clock. It'll just wind down. It'll just run down. Life has a way of squeezing the spirit out of a man like a gigantic machine squeezing the juice out of an orange until just the pulp is left. And so the psalmist stands on his tiptoes and declares that the God who breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life stands available to breathe new life in you. There's some of us who need that. Somehow along the way, just gradually, we've lost a sense of His power in our life. And there's nothing we need more than renewal. One last thought. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Charles Allen said on a plaque at the Singing Tower in Florida, you can read these words, I came here to find myself for it's so easy to get lost in the world. Did you come here this morning to find yourself? Sheep are notoriously guilty of being uh, creatures of habit. They'll tread the same trail, they say, until it's just a deep rut. They'll graze the same pasture until it's a wasteland. They're just creatures of habit. Of all the classes of livestock... Sheep require the most detailed care, the most careful attention. They just can't make it on their own. You can have a dog or a cat, you can't get rid of them. Believe me, I've been trying to give two away. For, uh, for so you can take them and let them out. They'll beat you home. I mean, they've, they've got your address, you know, on their, uh, somewhere on this compass inside of them. They, they, they can make it on their own. They can find their way, but not sheep. No wonder God uses a sheep to, to depict human nature. You can't make it on your own. We're creatures that require the most detailed care. You'll get lost without Him. He leads me. It means several things. Would you catch this quickly and I'm through. It means He has a divine plan for your life just as He planned to move sheep from one pasture to the next. He has a divine plan for this life of yours. He leads you, not drives you. He's climbing the same mountain you're having to climb. He's right there with you. He leads you in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. His, his reputation as a shepherd is at stake. He'll lead you. William Grinfeld, Wilfred Grinfeld, was sitting in a service listening to Dwight L. Moody preach. At the end of the service, this was in Grinfell's native England, Dwight L. Moody called for a decision. A man in full navy dress stood up and said, I want to make a decision to commit my life to Christ. You'll need to pray for me. I'm in the service. I'm in the military. And I'll be subjected to all kinds of temptations and ridicule. You'll need to pray for me. Sit down. William Grinfell stood up and said, I want to make a commitment of my life to Jesus Christ. I feel Him calling me to missions. I make a commitment to missions. 
The service was over and they left. Raphael began to prepare for missions. He felt the call to Labrador, went out to that frontier land. There was not a missionary there but him. He found people living in destitution and privation. And he found their need. He was a doctor, a physician. He wanted to care for their needs. He thought upon an idea. He said, why don't, we, why don't somebody get a, a hospital ship, a medical ship, and just travel up the coast of Labrador and let people come and, 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 and for treatment and care? So he went back. This is years after his decision. He went back to England and sought uh, revenue, sought money to buy a ship, got money, found, bought a ship, just a small one, had no one to pilot it, no one to sail it across the Atlantic, began to advertise. A man came up to him and said, I hear you're needing someone to pilot your ship to Labrador. Yes, would you do that? He said, that's not the question. Do you have someone who knows how to pilot this ship across the great Atlantic? I'll pay you, sir, said William Grenfell, if you'll do it. He said, I'm the captain of a great ship in the British Navy. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put your ship alongside mine and I'll personally guide you to Labrador. I'll pilot your ship. My men will pilot mine and I'll lead you to Labrador because I'm that Navy, that young man who stood in Navy dress the day you made your commitment to Christ. Lord, I would clasp my hand in mine, never murmur nor repine. Contend whatever lot I see, since tis your hand that leadeth me. He leadeth me, O oh, blessed thought, O oh, words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whate'er I do, where'er I be, Still tis God's hand that leadeth me. You see, when you clasp your hand in His, you link up to a divine power. And that's living abundantly. Have you put your faith in the shepherd? Have you found peace just in His presence, knowing He knows your limits? Have you linked up to a divine power? Then you're not living abundantly. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you for the great, profound truth of this great hymn. And now, let us not just be hearers of the word, but doers. To understand that the witness of this word is that man can know the shepherd. We're like sheep without a shepherd. O Holy Spirit of God, Open our eyes to Him who will give us all we need. Peace, rest, power. Help us to place our hand in His, trusting Him now, because I ask in His name. Now do I, ask, do I speak to someone this morning 
who needs to come trusting Jesus Christ. You can know the Lord. You can know personally the God who created you and everything there is. You can put your hand in His. You can know His presence. You can be saved. Would you do it? Would you come this morning, first time, to say, I want to trust Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I want to put all my faith in Him. Are there those who need to come this morning who need a fresh touch from God to be, to have Him revive my spirit? Come from the cold, come from the dark to the light. Is there one who needs to join the church? Would you come and place your life here? The shepherd bids you come and follow. Would you do it? While we stand to sing, come.